0: Welcome to another episode of on the floor with Wayne and Rob I'm Wayne Highlander National Sales Manager for Bona Adhesives and I'm Rob Johnson from Bona training Rob 100 episodes baby I never thought we'd get past 10. I said that intro 100 times now well actually probably yeah. 250 times I, I, I think you got it a right
1: maybe four or five times
0: yeah yeah, you got it right today, though. Good job. Hundred episodes, Rob. We've covered a lot of mileage. This is going to be this is going to be a fast paced show today. We we asked thanks to our our wonderful marketing department and Eileen the blank um, done a really nice job, and we have so much support on this podcast with Tristan now doing our our editing and everything. And Eileen asked the asked the listeners to send in any questions or any topics that you would like us to cover. And for anybody that sent in any of the questions or topics, that she would send out a prize package, a shirt, sweatbands, and a coffee mug, I believe. And I'm 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 pretty blown away, Rob. We got a tremendous response of all the questions. We can't read them all, but we're going to today. We're going to read a lot of questions from the listening. Audience. Anybody
1: who sent is I think anybody who sent something in, even if we don't read your question, I think they're going to get the prize package. Correct
0: they are but you expect it's going to take about four to six weeks i mean we only have you know we only have a a a limited staff here of three or four people that with all this requests that came in rob that the overwhelming uh to get these out is going to take at least three uh, four to six weeks okay so i see you're in a hotel tonight Uh uh-huh yeah it doesn't look like city brotherly love baby yep doesn't look I'm like you're with the uh, uh, what's that that doesn't look like your uh your your uh, house any of the rooms in your house so i assume you're in a hotel i am in philadelphia working this week with the uh doing some training with
1: miller floors big sport company uh, in the uh, northeast great bunch of guys today uh actually today they're in training i have a video uh, we could have set a world T-bar record today. Really? Yes. Yes. How so? How so? Uh, we had five pullers today. Five guys pulling. Wow. 24-inch T-bars, lightweight, five at a clip.
0: Damn, that's it, a it, lot.
1: Uh, An 8,000-foot gym coated it in less than a half an hour. No kidding. Yes.
0: Well, yeah. That, that's a very well respected company you're at, man. Uh very well respected. And and um you like that they're still doing training, right? With their with their, you know, reputation and everything and what have you? And they're they're still open to do training. So I like their style.
1: Roger Clemens had a pitching coach, Tom Brady has a quarterback coach. That's right. Even the best get some training. But I'll tell you what, I mean, hats off to him. What a crew! Five T-bar guys. You know what that means? Huh. One guy was pouring for five guys. For five guys, pouring straight out of a five-gallon bucket. And I was like, "Yeah, you guys are all impressive." Uh huh. All impressed with yourselves. Five. I go. There's the star right there. The guy pouring. Yeah, and yeah. not only was he pouring, he was pouring perfect lines every time. This crew. They're a seasoned crew. Definitely a seasoned crew.
0: Nice. Nice, man. Really well, great
1: looking job, too.
0: I would take my hat off to him, Rob, but I, it's been, you know, I, I still haven't got my hair cut yet. I, I get one. Uh, uh,
1: yeah, you're wearing a hat. you know, uh, I came back from today's training and took a shower. I mean, you know, today's the, 100, 100, the 100th anniversary, right, or 100th episode. Yeah. So I was Figuring by now you had at least got your haircut for this special occasion.
0: I'm trying, man. Uh, the, the The place with COVID and everything is shut down, and somebody couldn't couldn't come in and whatever. So I get it. Friday. I I got. Ever tell you my haircut story? No. I got two. I'll, I'll make these quick. Um. Why? Why? Why are we going to try and make
1: things quick now? We're hundred in.
0: Well, we got a lot to cover, ground to cover. We
1: that. can take our time with this stuff now. We
0: don't have to make things quick. I'll tell you what, though. These are, these are good questions. Came, I was really excited about all the questions that came in, man. So we'll hit as many as we can. We can't, can't hit them all. But, okay, my haircut story. Got two of them real quick. So um, it's Oakland, California, and uh, I haven't had a haircut in a long time. One, it's summertime, and it's hot. And my hair is too long, and and I had a bid to go to, and I want to be more presentable. So I was just bugging me. I had, didn't get a haircut. So I was in a, a bad part of town. I mean, real rough town, uh, real rough part of town. And I didn't know my way around. I was looking for a barbershop everywhere. You know, we didn't have the apps. Now you just pull it up, right? I see a barbershop. I go in. It's about 4.30 in the afternoon. I walk in as one, as one of the barbers was leaving, right? He sees me and he turns around and he goes back to his chair. There's three guys there, right? Two chairs, one guy working at the counter. I go to the back of the guy. The guy was leaving. He had all his shaving stuff in a gym bag. I've never seen a barber ever do that before where all his stuff is in, like, a gym bag, and he's walking out. Anyhow, I go get a haircut, right? The dude, it should have been a warning sign, Rob. You know, when you get a haircut, they, you're, there's a mirror in front of you, right, and you're facing the mirror. Uh-huh. No, not this guy. This guy, the whole time I was getting my haircut, he had me facing the other direction, okay? <laughs> You know, that on your collar, they roll your collar down. He goes, "You want it off your neck?" I go, "Yeah." And he was like, yeah. "He was like all, all business. There was no conversation here." Like, hey. I go, "Yeah." He rolls down my my shirt and everything goes, "Bam, werewolf!" Uh, the the hair on my back, right? So hey, whatever. So, all right, just so,
1: just cut the hair, man. I I don't need. Yeah. I don't need so, commentary here.
0: So he's cutting my hair, Rob, and, and it, it's he's scraping my hair so hard. It was like a prison haircut. You know what I mean? And I'm watching this hair fall off of me and uh, landing on my on my on my lap and everything in and, in and, 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 and droves like I've never seen before in a haircut I've ever got, right? I mean, it's like I mean, I, I told the guy, you know, not too much, you know, kind of like medium, whatever. It's coming off like you cannot believe in sheets. And my hair is already feeling like cold now. You know, my head is because, you know, there's way too much hair coming off, man. And I don't I, I don't want to say this guy, hey, man, but I can't see myself, whatever. I get done. I go to the guy at the front. Now, this was like 1992 or 1993. The guy at the front says, looks at me, goes, bam, you ready for the Oval Office. Now, you look like Ross Perot i go i go back out to my van rob and i had damn near a crew cut and i don't get my haircut that short man brutal brutal haircut
1: and he never turned you around huh
0: never turned me around the whole time oh i and my instinct told me to walk back out when i walked in there and there was nothing happening they were staring at me when i walked in but i stayed
1: so in boston we didn't call it a crew cut when you were a kid everybody in the summer would get a wiffle. That's what they called it—a wiffle. They called it a wiffle, right?
0: Hmm.
1: So when I'm, yeah, uh, kind of a strange thing to call it, right? A wiffle.
0: Yeah.
1: But everybody got them, and I found out. I thought that's what the whole country said. Whiffle. You get a, Everybody got a wiffle. So when I moved to New York, like you know, I was in—I think I was like a freshman in high school—moved uh, to New York. And got talking to a, a buddy of mine, and he was talking about a baldy sour. That's what they used to get. when they What's it kids. called? A baldy sour. What kind of the world? What part of the world are you from? Albany. Well, Boston and then Albany. So I said, What the hell are you talking about? A baldy sour? What's he goes, you know, like a crew cut. I go, You mean a wiffle? And he's like a wiffle. What kind of insanity is that? I go, well, oh yeah, Baldy Sour makes complete sense out of what you yeah. do. I don't know if it was because it looked like a wiffle ball or whatever, but I always thought Baldy Sour was a little bit crazier than wiffle.
0: That's why. That's why army guys have good stories, man. They put all these guys from all across a different part of the world, and they put them in a barracks for boot camp, and. Everybody's got a, you know, it's like a human experiment almost. Okay, let's get into, this. let's dive into these, Rob. The first right. question, the first one comes from a listener, Chris. Let me do this right here. Hang on a second. The first, the first uh, question comes from a listener, Chris Bromby. He's from Newburyport, Massachusetts, over near your neck of the world all right what is the best method and and we're gonna go through these quick what is the best best method and product to refinish soft pine floors my lab makes my lab has destroyed the poly on the pine floors and almost looks like the poly chipped away need a new solution do I get it sanded and go more natural with an oil to make the finish wear better uh, than the chip look all right you know what he's getting that Rob right
1: I don't know something wrong with his meth lab it's he's spilling yeah, stuff on the floor i don't get it
0: something's going on with the lab uh my lab destroyed the poly on the i'm i'm assuming he's saying a lab dog, a lab dog okay
1: uh, okay all right
0: all right i was there i went to i went to breaking bad with the lab too but i think he's talking about his dog all right what kind of finish you put on them soft pine floors rob well i like a water base because
1: a water base has a little resilience to it. And an old timer once showed me, he said, Mr. Johnson, what I want you to do is take a piece, two pieces of cellophane and spread some polyurethane on one and some water based on the other and let that film dry. When it's dry, peel it off of the cellophane, and then I want you to stretch it. And I did. So when I stretched the poly, of course, poly did not stretch it. In instantly broke. It's kind of brittle. And the water base had memory. The water base had like almost 20% memory. So you could stretch it and then it would come back. So that's why I think water base is going to be a little bit better than a polyurethane uh, for dogs, heavy dogs making the marks because it will give you some repair as long as the finish doesn't tear.
0: You know, I, I try to keep an open mind, and I fight my my urge to. I am so old school, and I, I almost hate the word old school. Um, but well, I, yeah,
1: we hate the word old school because
0: we're old school now. Yeah, we're old yeah school. but to, to me, I mean, it almost sounds like you don't want to change if you're old school. But I guess I'm grounded in old school. Uh, but uh, I am, I I try to be open to new stuff, right? last year i talked about doing my floors uh upstairs and i use craft oil on my on my floors and my intent was to put craft oil down first um and then put traffic on top of it but rob it looks so damn good with the craft oil i left it and and we love it absolutely love it and um and i my feeling is these craft oils uh with two coats floor it has isocyanate in it with with two coats on the floor if you do get scratches they they they're not as noticeable as a surface type finish and um they're easier to touch up and i'll be damn rob if this this is made a believer out of me i'm really really liking the look i i like the 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 feel of it i'd be walking on it with socks and if you have dog scratches i they're not gonna they're not gonna show as much I really think you, take a look at the craft oil. Th- these these type of products. I mean, I, I, listen. Everybody says, well, they've been. To, everybody in Europe has got these floors. It's all you know. It's all you see now in Europe. and blah blah blah. Uh, I, I carry that carries some weight with me. But um, you know, uh, not until I got to know these and and be around them and seen them in restaurants and how they wear and everything that I, it's made me a believer. I'm going with that one. I like yours too. All right. Sean James, from uh, we had him as a guest, okay, um, from uh, up there in Santa Cruz, California. History or how bonus started? What is silent adhesive, uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, let's start with, uh, as there, he's asked like four different questions there. Uh, let's go with the
1: history. I, yeah. I, I think our history is amazing. Um, it's just like such a classic underdog story, if you ask me. And I think now it's it's going on 102 years, right? I think it's 102 years. 102 years ago, a guy named Willem Edner had a small general store, and I think it was in Malmo, Sweden, correct? I think it's Malmo, Sweden. had a small general store, and his general store kind of specialized in coffee. And then one day, he goes out back, and he starts making floor wax. Floor wax for wood floors. And 103 years later, we are the number one producer of hardwood water-based hardwood floor finishes in the world. And I think the coolest thing out of that is it's still owned and operated by the same family. Uh, I think it's like our the third generation is now, um, you know, in charge of it. So and it's uh, just an unbelievable story. The guy starts making wax and the next thing you know, a hundred years later, they're the biggest in the world, but it's still the same family, which there's so many family businesses in the wood floor industry. Uh, it's, I think it's cool that Bona is one of those two.
0: Um, 1890s, Rob goes back to 1890s. Wilhelm Edner uh, opened a grocery store in Malmo, Sweden, selling coffee and various household products. All the way from that to 1910 19, 19 started making wax for floors and um, uh, the rest is history. Uh, one of the biggest honors for me and the coolest honors for me, uh, Rob, in this industry is when uh, I got a chance to go to, to, to Sweden and meet some of the- Oh,
1: uh, uh, didn't I know we were gonna go there.
0: I didn't say anything about the award. You, you yeah yeah i i did not see one of
1: those i've been to sweden and you haven't yet rob well
0: did you did I you know. just did you just ring your bell yeah i rang the bell you brought yeah, your, you
1: got a bell for that one
0: you you brought your bell on your trip <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> i bring this damn bell everywhere
0: uh, so it's not just for the nice. show. Like you're at a restaurant and the waiter did screwed something up, you just hit the bell. That's at that actually I'm uh, I'm, really. I'm
1: laying in bed and I'll hit the bell. You know that means Pauline. Maybe you could bring me a coffee if you heard the bell. That kind of
0: yeah. I, wow. This bell is that's good stuff. Getting you know, a chain, wearing it around my neck. Anyhow, I I met the uh, the family members of a uh, uh, Bona. Oh, the- oh, I met him and Rob didn't. There yeah the nicest the the just the nicest most genuine uh, people that i've ever been around honest to god super nice people so it was a real treat for me uh yeah i did win the award but that's okay I, and, I know. And, and what was the name
1: of that award again
0: uh it's not important <laughs> um they only give one for uh, for all seven continents but you know it's, hey uh, you who's counting <laughs> right <laughs> all right um lewis gonzalez shorewood flooring thank you lewis from from red bank new jersey again over in your part of the world why natural sealers leave marks on the floors rob go just
1: feather it okay feather 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 we have a great video on e-learning we do uh, we donate. We is it donate? No, oh, it's going? not. Um, when I, oh man, I don't know what the hell word I want to use here. We at our schools, we spend so much time. We donate so much time to putting down natural and Nordic seal, and it will leave marks if you don't feather those lines out. It just takes a little extra feathering and don't cut ahead, cut behind. Cause that first coat on bare wood gonna soak in like crazy. So you gotta be moving, but you don't want to have that cut man cutting in ahead of you. He's gonna cut behind you. And you want to feather out those marks. The more feathering you do, you know, and uh, it's one thing that uh, we do show with the classes, okay? And guys will be like, okay, well, what about this mark here? After we're done feathering, you know, what about this? What about that? I go, well, you don't want to feather it too much. You don't want to overdo it. You, you want to meet this finish halfway. And when I say meet it halfway, make sure there's absolutely no airflow. No airflow, no sunlight, you know, hitting the floor, making it hop, whatever. But cutting behind and feathering out those lines, those little trailer lines that you leave, because there is a little pigment in it, I guarantee you, you will not see those marks. That finish will meet you halfway. And it's something that I tell every student, because, you know, you get some guys out there like, oh, look at this little bag. Oh, no, don't worry about that. That will flow and level. That will go. You, you're okay there. Because you, you can get crazy trying to feather everything 100%, Because you got to be moving. It's that first coat of finish. So you, you've got to be moving going forward all the time. But like I said, just feather it out, meet it halfway, and that stuff will work like a charm.
0: So you're, you're big on, on coming behind and um, with, with the cutting
1: guy. I got to say this, Uh, you're right. It's something and cutting behind is something that, Peter and I started doing back in the in the 90s when we were pulling finish. you know, even even in the 80s, we always did that with our water base because we could tell water base would always dry too. So we've always been cutting behind. And so, you know, explaining this to the class I had last week in Chicago and we had uh, two guys from Romania that were just. Awesome guy. Everybody in the class was awesome, but these two Romanian guys were kind of funny. And when I said to, uh, you know, cut behind, well, I saw the look on his face, okay, when I said, you don't cut ahead, you cut behind. And he had a couple of choice words for me, and a couple of more Romanian, a couple were English. And he's like, what are you going to, you're going to levitate over the floor? You're going to hover? How? It's impossible to cut behind. So, and when I showed him, we make three or four passes, feather out the lines. Now you can go in and cut uh, as long as we're within your reach, you know, so you could cut behind. Well, that was it. We owned him after that. And he's like, okay, you're absolutely right. Because I thought absolutely impossible to cut behind when you're saying it. But now I see. And the one other guy that was with him, he's like, wow, that's pretty good. He he never admits things like that. So, you you this is a big win for you. So I, I slept good that night.
0: Good. So I I see the value in cutting behind, and I do as well. Um, on very tricky coats or hard hard like uh, we did a casinos up in Nevada, and uh, you could not stop the airflow. Just you just it was impossible. And in that case, I, I had the guys cut behind. So on difficult jobs I do. On most jobs I don't. But and he's also talking about uh, lines from um, from the sealers, right? So um, look at his, his question: uh, Why natural sealers leave marks on the floor? Okay, Rob. Yeah, I, I get it, Rob, and I agree with you. Um, for very difficult floors, I do think that there's good value in in coating behind the guy, or excuse me, for cutting in behind the guy with the T-bar. Okay. Most of the times I don't do that. The only times I do that, if it's a very difficult floor, it's drying fast. We did work in, with casinos up in Nevada where you could not stop the airflow. I mean, literally, it was a, it was, a, it was like a Nassau wind tunnel. So I do find value in that in certain certain job site uh, situations. So um, if, you, if you've just joined the podcast in the last few episodes or last six months or whatever, uh, we've, if you go back and listen to the early podcast, we talk about this a lot. And one of the things we talk about, especially if you're doing a white oak floor, that Tampico brush is a lifesaver, man. Because when you vacuum the floor, and if you don't get all that, that, that dust off the floor, when you, when you, uh, especially if you're T-barring, you're getting, that, that dust is getting in your pore line now, Okay. So you can kind of see it in your pour line. It's got like a brownish type of, you know, you start to pick up that dust. Now, anywhere you put that T-bar down, even for just a little bit too long, it's going to leave tannin pull. So vacuuming is the first most important thing to do, especially on these old white oak floors. Um, vacuum, tack it, uh, Tampico brush, all, all good, good things that can help you. Um, also, when you pad out the T-bar, pad it out right next to your pour line in the direction of the grain. And don't let your cutting guy get too far ahead of you. Try to marry the marriage line of the thickness of the mill of the, of the product with the T-bar to the cutting guy. So, okay. Next question comes from Custom Hardwood Floors by Jeffries, uh, Jessica Peterson up in Michigan. For Wayne and Rob, who has been a big influence to you in your careers? And what made you choose Bona as a next step from doing floors on your own? Rob, go.
1: I definitely have to give a shout out to Dave Darsh on a bonus zone. Um, when I got hired at Bona, I was offered two jobs. One was the, uh, a territory manager and the other was sport. So they said, you qualify for either one? You know, which one would you like to do? And, you know, Dave was a good friend of mine. I had known him for a long time. And, uh, so I called him up and I said, hey, they, they made me an offer, and they made me an offer for a sport, or they made me an offer for a territory manager. You know, which, which one do you think I should take? You've been with the company for a while. And uh, after he screamed a couple of expletives, he said, are you out of your mind? He goes, take the sport job. So I took the sport job, and the rest is history but I will go back a little bit further. Okay. Um, there was a time where I was, you know, just kind of grinding floors with the family business and everything. And, uh, I, I thought, you know, maybe, uh, maybe I need a change here, you know, maybe I need to. So I was looking into, um, getting in, into the insurance business. And uh, a good friend of mine, is dad, ran one of the bigger uh, insurance operations in the Albany, New York area. So, you know, I remember going there and, you know, filling out an application and talking to him. And he said, are are you sure you want to do this? He goes, you know, I heard you're pretty decent at floors. You know, you've been in that business your whole life. He he said, why would you want to start in another business? He goes, you're going to have to start on the, he goes, I'll give you a job, but you know, you're going to be, definitely coming in on the ground floor where he goes, maybe you should look inside the industry you're in now and making a change there, you know, whether it's in sales or market or whatever, but something in the business. And he looked me in the eye and he said, stay with what you know. And, you know, so I would say those two guys were pretty big influences. My dad another definite big influence. Um, I, I learned a lot about carpentry and sanding floors and coating and everything from my father, but definitely I learned more of uh, handling people, customers, things like that. I mean, he that's what his
0: forte was. So
1: I would say those three.
0: Um, I'll make this quick. Um, uh, first of all, my uncle, that started me in the trade because uh, what, what got me about him is how much he loved the trade after being in it for over 50 years. I mean, the man loved doing floors. And that Uncle was, Stan. Yeah. And that that left a big impression on me because if a guy's doing something this long and he still loves it, that that left a big impression. Number two would be uh, uh, Daniel Boone. Uh, I went to the NWFA class. I, I give a lot of credit to the NWFA. I make no bones about it they I learned so much through through being a member that that I can't begin to tell you. Uh, And when I saw Daniel, I thought he's a great ambassador to our industry as an instructor. Uh, That was a big influence on me. Uh, Finally, my two brothers, Uh, we worked side by side together. um, And, uh, and we, you know, we raised each other's doing floors, man. And it was a tough, tough, you know, back then it was, you know, there was not a lot of information, we had no help. Uh, we started from, we didn't have a buffer. We hand sanded, you know, between coats on our knees, um, and so those guys a big influence on me because they work so hard uh, side by side with me. I have to one hundred percent give it up to them. Hmm. Okay, uh, uh, Matt Garcia from San Angelo, Texas, from Craftsman Hardwood Flooring says, "Oh, and uh, actually, I go back. Why did why Bona?" Uh, wh- what, made you choose bone as your next step? Well, for me, I mean, um, and, and I am going to say this for any, any floor guy that, that thinks that maybe they'd want to be a rep one day, not suggesting you, you want to go down this road. Cause it's a different road altogether. Um, if I were to say my biggest piece of advice was get every bit of flooring out of your blood being a floor man, because you will, I, when I first stopped doing floors, Rob, it was like a death in my family. For a year, I mean, it was it was it was I, it was like a hole in my chest. How much I missed doing floors. Uh, so get it every bit of it out of your out of your. I mean, if you think, oh, I still like doing, maybe I stay with floors and, until you just can't do it no more or it's all one hundred percent gone. Um, why Bona was easy for me. I mean, I I, I knew nobody get Bona when I went to work for Bona. I believed in the products. I used the products day in and day out. Um, so that was an easy one. Okay um craftsman hardwood flooring matt garcia from san angelo texas uh says uh i've been doing some new installations of patina faced reclaimed wood flooring and saw marked wood flooring it would be an interesting topic to talk about some advanced finishing techniques to preserve the patina and these types of floors where zero to minimal sanding is done keep the antique worn look i enjoy the floor comedy stunts wayne you are incredible and no, i just made that up Uh, Definitely. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, Rob, we talked a little bit about okay. If the episode um, with um, Lynn um, Spring, Lynn, Washington D.C., Universal Floors, I talked a lot about this. And uh, yes, Mm -hmm. and and I discussed Question comes up from time to time, especially if you you know it's a historic floor. You want to keep the patina there. You want to uh, keep them saw marks there. You know, you, even indent, indentations and stuff is part of the charm and the patina and the history of that floor. You know, not the time maybe to take the 36 grit on the sandpaper and start plowing through it, <laughs> you know, customer expectations. So, Rob, uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Um,
1: and it happened with us about a year ago. About a year ago, uh bum came to me and he said, and he had a piece of this, you know, it had the fresh saw marks and all that stuff in it. And he goes, the the guy wants this coated. He goes, how am I, I going to sand it? So we, had, you know, I looked at it and we talked a little bit and I said, uh, you really can't sand it. I mean, anything you sand is going to, you're going to, you know, take that look away. I said, I think really all you can do is just get that floor as clean as possible. And so we both agreed, you know, let's tampico brushed the hell out of this thing that's exactly what he did and it came out amazing i mean he couldn't have been happier with it didn't pull a t-bar he rolled everything but uh, the tampico brush was just an amazing tool for for that wood
0: so um, i'm going to say this first of all there's a lot of tools in the arsenal when you get a job like this you need to bid it accordingly you know if this is a recoat. I'm not leaving any bullets in the chamber because you don't want to take a sander to, to you don't want to have to, do, you know, fix a, a coat on a saw, a, the uh, saw cut floor like that. Um, I may, I may use the Bona uh, recoat system to make sure I get every bit of those contaminants off that floor. The power scrubber it, is a lifesaver. It's the only
1: system you can use to recoat a floor like that. Yep. It's uh, really the only one that you can use.
0: Yep. I'll Between say
1: the bra the abrasive brush, and the power scrubber, it's really the only thing you can do that's going to get down into uh, all those voids.
0: Yep. Um, I'll say something else too. That and um, uh, in, in when you get it ready to coat, to to uh, to to uh, tack it with the uh, with the uh, bona prep. It's another, it's another, you, you're, there's, you're, you're not leaving anything to chance. So you, 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 uh, tack it with bona prep. Um, I'm also not above getting down on my hands and knees with, uh, with, a with a maroon pad and sandpaper and, and, and going board, board by board, if it's the right situation. And I think I, I don't want to leave anything left to chance. And if getting down on my knees and going from board to board and doing that to, to preserve everything, I'm going to charge accordingly and um, um absolutely I think you because here's the thing too. Like I said, this is not the floor you want to have to sand over. It. Then nobody wants to hear that, yeah. Well, we'll sand it over, we'll take care of it. Yeah, but you're not putting those saw marks back in my floor. Right. So uh don't leave this. Is one you got to charge enough, you don't leave anything to chance. talk about trans tent later on. Well, what the hell? I'll talk about it now. I did one of these Rob on a walnut floor, and um if i knew it was going to look that beautiful when it was done i mean this is one of those i was kicking myself the whole time because it was stunning when we we're i mean stunning we brought that floor back to looking just absolutely absolutely gorgeous and i didn't charge i charged we made money on the floor I mean, but i would have charged way more if i knew it was going to look that good because we brought that i like back.
1: the way you just said stunning i've never heard it said like
0: that yeah Well,
1: stunning
0: Stun. yeah that wasn't a stutter either uh, i hit it i hit it twice no
1: i'm gonna actually i might start using that that's how that's all i'm gonna say stunning stunning
0: yes okay um monterey uh monterey bay hardwood floors brandon howe thank you brandon of salinas california what is the best looking recommended sealer for white oak uh white white select wood I like woodline poly on red, but I don't like it on white. All right. You want to go, well, Rob? Yeah. Want me to say it again? Um, so, yeah. So he's
1: asking us what our favorite finish is on white oak. Is that what I'm? Yep. yep. That's what he's asking. Yep. Favorite um, sealer. Favorite sealer. And, and it's just because of all the training I've been doing. And, you know, we make sure that we have white oak in every single one of our training centers because. You know, because of the tannins and everything that's in white oak. But I have just completely fallen in love with the um, the natural seal. Uh, one perfect coat of natural seal on white oak. I, I just think it's a, uh, an amazing look. And if we're going to go with stain, I everybody's going to laugh because they all know I, I love that bark. That bark is just such a deep, dark, beautiful brown on the white oak just amazing i mean we did uh we did a class in new jersey and we did the bark on the white oak and then we were showing to the class you know well you know just in case just in case somebody said to you geez you know if we could just kick it up a notch get a little bit darker um we showed them putting one and two coats of amber seal on the bark on the white oak and that second coat of amber seal it. it look like furniture. It was really yeah, and a beautiful, just beautiful look. So if I'm going to stay with the real natural, I really like the natural seal. But if I'm going with the color, I, I really like that bark, uh, maybe with one or two coats of amber seal.
0: Okay. Um, Intense Seal is my favorite bonus sealer and, and, and has been since we mm-hmm. started using it. it. It abrades like talcum powder, you know you can put two coats on before you have to abrade it i mean it's just a lot to love about it and uh, uh it, it's become my, my my go-to when i was doing floors uh we didn't have natural seal or nordic seal when i was doing floors i do like the lighter looks depends on what i'm trying to achieve but i'll say something too um woodline poly has never 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 let me down I mean, it is for 30 years, and then that then my brothers are even beyond that is flat out never let us down. We, we went from um, lambs wooling it when I first started, and then uh, going to a, a roller. And by the way, when I roll it, I put on two coats, and I cross grain it, and I never straighten it out. Okay, if I'm doing wow. 3000 3, square feet, I cross grain every single into that floor, unless it's a hallway, like, you know, a small little hallway. But if it's a big open room, I cross grain it, I never straighten it out. And why do you cross grain it? If you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Okay. Uh, that's why
1: I'm trying to yeah, okay. I am thinking about it. It makes no sense to me.
0: But ma- here's how here's why enlighten it makes. me. Okay. Okay. If you're cross-graining the floor, you're actually going with the grain of the wood. You know what I mean? You think about your roller. Your roller is going with the grain of the wood. So if you had an issue. You're not having it going across the grain see what i'm saying the issue is i mean you're you're, you're coating with the grain of the floor if you think about it you look at the the footprint of the roller the roller is going in the direction of the floor okay I've never 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 and i'm rob strike me dead never had an issue doing that i cross grain over the borders cross grain, whatever it doesn't matter um okay. never, never let me down uh a quarter inch nap and my brothers use 3H and swear by it, so there you go. Okay. Uh, Beaver Hardwood, Cal- Calgary, Alberta. Uh, the change in planetary sanders and what will happen to the sanding industry. Also, do you think solids will make a comeback after engineered flooring prices go way up? Let's start with, um, first of all, thank you, Beaver Hard- Hardwood from Calgary, Alberta. Uh. Did- The changes in planetary sanders and what will happen to the sanding industry. And then uh, will solids make a comeback? Solids ain't going anywhere. I didn't think solids went anywhere. Okay. So the planetary sanders. There's no question. It's changed the game. I mean, look, I've said it before. chatter marks should have gone the way of the bubonic plague by now okay there's no reason for chatter marks and that was one of the biggest things when you back in the old days you go, i hope the guy don't have chatter marks um difficult layouts where you you're going you know you're it's all edge work edge work edge work you know what i mean you can stand back and, and you get a line of sight to see everything with the edger those are, those worries are gone now those concerns are gone now right? and and the way that the the tabletop you know back in the back in the 80s you'd say well you know it's a floor you can't get it as flat as the tables blah blah it's changed it's changed, yeah. it's changed you changed the
1: get game. them flat and smooth
0: you and can get them flat you can get them smooth you can add texture to a floor you can wire brush the floor you can you can hire guys now you can get a guy on a machine and in in a, in a day he's making money for you right i mean that would uh, uh, you, you lost
1: see, you you're stealing my line man There you go. He's making money for you day one. You know, the other thing about that, I mean, where's the industry going? We don't know. I mean, we hear it at the school. I I mean, every single person out there has the same issue. Every company. Labor. Help. We can't get help, you know. And just think of it this way. You, You hire a kid, and the first thing you do is you throw him on the edger. And then he's stuck on that edger for how long? And he's he's gonna wake up sore and go, and that's why so many you know so many young guys walk away from it. It's hard, it's real hard. You know, back in our day, it was I don't know. I don't. I'm not gonna say we're different, and these kids. uh, You know, I hate when you hear people say that. Oh my God, you know, kids today don't want to work. Believe me, I work with some kids today who want to work, and they're young guys, and they were busting their hump, and Smiling while they were doing it. So it's just finding the right guy, but man, for a new guy not have to spend his entire life on the edger for the first, you know, six months of his career, where now you can throw him on a power drive and you know, let him see some quality work, let him get a little confidence.
0: In I, I mean
1: action. oh exactly. Exactly. Yeah. you know that was something that bum saw when I bet he was 12 years old I probably told this story before but we got to a job in the morning and you know the lady had ripped up tile in the kitchen it was an old maple floor and I mean it was a disaster you know it was just one of those typical floors but the good thing was it, it all the uh, glue and everything had dried so it was really an easy sand job and That actually preserved those 80-year-old maple floors. So we got done with it. And just as we're finishing up the first coat, she comes home. And she had she literally had tears in her eyes. And I'll just never forget how Bum took that. I mean, he, he was saying things like, you know, it's amazing. You know, how awesome this job is that, you know, you see how happy she was and how what we you can really see that he got a lot of satisfaction out of that. and I think using the power drive with some of these new guys and new kids coming into the business, that's a perfect word to use. You're gonna get some real good satisfaction out of uh, out of
0: working you You take a kid that 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 that's a willing to work to be a hardworking kid. Especially look at the future. I mean, there, there's the, there will always be a demand for, for a damn good stand and finish guy. Always. That's not going to go away. Number one. Number two, I I remember the first job we stained with my uncle. I was hooked. When I seen that stain go on. So that that the kids will still see that. Young people still see that. Put them on a power drive. Then you, put, you let them stain that floor. And when you wipe that stain off and stand back and look at it. Come on, man.
1: All right. Yeah. Uh, Wait. 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 I gotta say this. Uh, My daughters are always busting my chops about. All you, all you do is talk about Robert. 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 You never talk about us. Okay. So Emily's my oldest. All right. And she is the best X-ray tech in the Albany area. Believe me. You. You need something X-ray, Wayne. She's your girl. Now Rebecca. She's my youngest one of the top dental hygienists in the Albany metro area you need your teeth cleaned you call Rebecca okay so I just had to give since it's our 100th anniversary I had to give them a a a little
0: something well both both at the top of their fields you you tell your daughters back in the day me and Rob used to have to share rooms together that's the way (laughs) that's another thing that's changed in this industry when when two reps were in the same area, we had to share a hotel room together, and um, so I work in the area with Rob. We share a room, and you, I know all about your daughters because you brag to me about them all the time, all the time, okay. all your kids. All right. So I know you're, you, you, it, you know, they don't hear it, but believe me when I tell you, I knew well more about your daughters before I ever, you know, I, you know, saw pictures of them. I was sick of your daughters, uh, all, all you, you're bragging about. All right. And on white oak, or excuse me, solid, uh, you know, there is there's always going to be a place for solid floors, too. Uh, you know, I love engineered floors, but they're not the end all. There are certain circumstances when uh, when a solid floor will, will perhaps perform better than an engineered floor. You go up in the high desert areas, um, you know, and, and um, solid floors do very well uh so i I don't think solid floors are going to go anywhere
1: and some of the engineered floors out there are i think they're dangerous to a wood floor guy i mean they call themselves engineered floor but they're more of a veneer and that can i hear it at the schools uh, there's a lot of issues with some of these cheaper engineered floors so you really need to be careful
0: well, it's like anything else. I mean, you get what you pay for and you want to, you know, use use quality products and what have you. Uh, the other thing is uh, a lot of these engineer floors are getting the wear layers getting thicker and thicker. So uh, I, I, I feel like they, they now start performing uh, almost like a solid floor. Mm-hmm. So there's there's some that actually would be a good show. Well, we'll have to put that good question. Good question there. We'll have to uh, um, maybe do an episode on that. Okay. Territory timber floors uh, from Australia. All right, man, that's pretty cool. Uh, he he said fishing as a topic or a fishing story. I think Wayne enjoys wetting a line, or just worse, flooring into into in injuries or horror stories. I got a fishing story I probably shouldn't tell. Why don't, you got you want to go first, Rob?
1: <laughs> I think this is a funny fishing story. My son thinks it is, my friends think it's a funny story, but my daughters and my wife do not think this is a funny fishing story. But anyways, um, being that we were a very seasonal business, okay, we we never took vacations in the summer, right? It's a seasonal game, so we had to wait for bowling alleys to open up, schools to open up. And... So we decided my parents decided one day okay we're gonna we're gonna take a family vacation. So we went to Maine but when you go to Maine in September, Maine is closed. you know there's there's nothing going on in Maine that because you know, it's September. So I thought to myself, you know this would be a good time maybe uh, maybe me and the old man could get away from my brothers and my mother and go well, and do a little fishing, you know they were talking about going on a harbor cruise so i said hey what about you know you and i going fishing and he's like yeah hey that yeah fishing's a pretty good idea do you want to fish i go yeah I freaking love to rather than a than a harbor cruise i'd much rather go deep sea fishing so there was one ticket shack that sold everything right all the tickets for harbor cruises fishing whatever so he comes over and i noticed that their tickets were yellow and my ticket was red they had four yellow tickets and one red ticket and he hands me the ticket and he goes hey we'll catch you later so i got on the fishing boat and they got on the harbor cruise boat but i definitely thought my dad was gonna go with me he went with them <laughs> so as the boats are pulling out of the harbor you know, I'm just kind of waving goodbye to everybody. And the boats went their separate ways. And when if Pauline hears this story, she's going to, you know, get tears in her eyes. And I was like, listen, it's not as bad as you think it was. Yeah, I wanted to go fishing with my dad. It was just a little communication thing. But I met this just gnarly, old, crotchety perfect guy from maine to teach you how to deep sea fish so it was uh, a, an amazing day and i can still you know i could probably draw a picture of that guy's face it was like a cartoon character and thing but uh my kids just always loved the scene of robbie waving to his family as the boats go in their separate directions how old were you uh
0: eighth grade seventh grade Se- seventh or eighth grade. This, this, this is crazy man because seventh um, or eighth grade okay this is the seventh grade for me okay all okay. right man. so it's kind of a, a family fishing trip also but it was, a, it was a it was a little different so um my older brother steve and i were going to go fishing with with the old man i asked if my friend could go okay now the friend was kind of a soft kid You know he came from a really good family and you know i don't think he's ever seen hard times before so (laughs) we went to the carp river in michigan okay it's an upper peninsula there's nothing there and it's in the middle of winter it's freezing freezing cold our car's got no heater okay so what people don't realize when the highlanders go fishing it's like It's like a trip from hell. It's not a fun trip, like uh, you know. It's like you know, we're we're, it's hardcore, okay. (laughs) Survive for the fittest. Pretty much. So the three, the the three kids and the old man, we go fishing. We get the carp river. There's nobody there. Everybody else is done for the year. It's freezing cold, man. It's miserable cold. That we pretty much just have crackers and sardines, okay, for our for our food, right? So this kid starts complaining. You know what I mean? Like he's hungry, you know, and it's cold and, you know, stuff like that. My brother, my brother, Steve doesn't like the kid already. OK, so we're sleeping in the tent and it's miserable. Right. The, the wind is whistling through and there's snow and it's miserable cold. And, you know, we get up at like crack of dawn to go fishing. We're at the, at the bank all day fishing and there's not one bite. Rob, there's nothing happening. Right. They <laughs> day, day, day two comes around. Now it's drizzling, like it's kind of like drizzling. It's like snow, but it's, it's like sleet, right? It's not quite snow, it's not quite rain. Right. So we go in the car, sit in the car to get out of it. The old man's at the riverbank fishing. It's the three kids in the car. I'm in the front driver's seat. The kid's next to me on my right. My brother's behind him. Kid starts crying. I want to go. Home. I want to go home. Okay? my brother starts laughing right there's there's no chance this kid's gonna go home we got another day to go a day and a half to go oh my god so the kid starts crying again and he he starts saying he wants to go home so my brother steve smacked him on the back of the head and he said you're not going anywhere and then i punched him i said yeah i punched him on his shoulder real hard i go yeah shut up man so this kid now is our hostage rob He's not on a fishing trip anymore. And he's got another day and a half to go. And we never caught another, we never caught a, we never saw a fish in those three days. We had <laughs> literally oysters, sardines, and, and those premium crackers, not the good rich crackers, but the cheap ones. You know, and um, I seen him when we got back, I seen him at school and I never spoke another word to the dude. I mean, that was it, it was over. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He's crying. I love I it. You, wherever that kid I is. Freaking love it. He probably never fished again in his life. Okay.
1: Worst right. day of fishing ever.
0: Ever. All right. Ever. Um, so um look, we're gonna do a part two of this because we got some we got a ton of questions. We can't hit them all. We're just gonna hit some of these real quick. This and, could be uh, a five-parter, Wayne. This could uh, be a five-parter. We no, we're not. We won't do that. This could take uh, us way into July. Nah. Okay. Think so, of how again, happy Eileen would be. Thank you to our customers for the hundred episodes that you hung in there for that listened to them. Man, we appreciate it more than we can tell you. Um, thank you so much. We're going to do a part two on this because we'll at least get to some of the other questions. And again, this has been another episode of On the Floors with Wayne and Rob. Please stay tuned for another episode.